Psalm 133. Let me, get, let me know when you get there by saying amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You get there, you'll find these words. You all standing, okay. I wasn't sure. I was going to keep on going. All right, Psalm. Does everybody have one of the uh, handouts? If you don't, make sure you raise your hands. The ushers, they have the handouts for you today. On this side, we have some. We got two ushers over here, no ushers over here. Get the hand up, Rohan, so they can see you, please. Every Sunday, we'll have these handouts for you, so make sure you get one, all right? Every Sunday during this campaign. <laughs> This is totally not my uh, way of doing things, all right? Okay, you ready, Psalm 133? Okay, let's read all three verses, ready, read. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing Life. Again, verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Because, and then I'll skip to verse 3, the end, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. There where? Where the brethren are dwelling together in unity. So today we're talking about the family being unified. And so we're going to call this message today, Get Your House in Order. Look at your neighbor and say, get your house in order. order. Father, today, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to receive your word, to read your word, Father, to receive your teaching, wisdom from you, Lord. And I ask that, God, every every ear will be open, every eye will be open, every heart will be open, Father, by you, that we might, Lord, receive that which you have to say to us today, God. We need your word. Our families need correction. Our families need straightening out. Our families need alignment, God. And that's your plan for us because, Lord, that's how you get the blessing to flow down on our lives, not only for us, but for generations to come in our families. So, Lord, today, Lord, line us up by the word of God. Let us be straight and level and have a plumb line, Lord, according to your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen Amen. and amen. All right, you may be seated. All right, get your house in order. I'm a pastor, preacher, teacher. I'm not a contractor, not a builder. And so I wouldn't know if I were building a house, if I were left to my own wisdom, I wouldn't know how to build a house in, in the sense of, well, I don't know anything about building a house. I mean, I can, I can maintain it, I think, but I, don't, I couldn't build it. I, I certainly wouldn't know what order to go in. I, I wouldn't know whether you do HVAC first or plumbing next or, or, or the, the walls go up. I mean, I, I just I wouldn't know that. That's not my cup of tea, Brother Keith. Keith is in school. He's learning those kind of things like that. Sergeant Johnson, I like to call him. Sarge. Amen. And that, that's, not, that's not my expertise. But people who are builders, contractors, they understand those kinds of things. They understand that things have to go in a certain order to be efficient, to have things where they, they work. You know, that's why you have project planners who plan things, a, a, a general contractor, they, they'll bring in subcontractors, but they have to plan how they do that so that people aren't stepping on top of each other. 
and you don't, you don't get, you know, the plumbers showing up, you know, after the, 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 the carpenters have already put the walls up. You want plumbers coming in and putting in, you know, the rough plumbing in the ground. And I mean, I, I think I know a little bit about it. It's, there's, there's a way things have to be done. In other words, you have to have things in a certain order to make it work, for things to flow right. So what happens is, before a house is built, uh, when, when, when uh, Elder Baker and uh, Miss Lamika get their desire and they come out of debt, now we're going to build our dream house because they're multimillionaires, they're going to sit down with an architect. When they sit down with this architect, they're going to tell this architect, here's what our desire is, here's what we want to see. The architects don't ask them all kinds of questions. Well, what, what's your lifestyle? What do you like to do? And they're, they're going to they're gonna ask them, you know, well, how do you, you know, you like, you like a lot of clothes. Because then they know they can't put you in this little old tea notch closet when they look at your, y'all's outfits. They're going to know, no, these people need a big old closet. And they, they probably want matching closets. <laughs> or if you're building on the water, they might design your home around the view. Anybody want to be on the waterfront? And they design everything around two things, form and function. Everything in a building should have form and function, okay? In other words, how it looks and how it operates. Now, God is the master architect of the whole universe. God is the master architect of the whole universe, in Genesis chapter 1, that's one of your fill-ins. God is the master architect of the, of the whole universe. God is the master architect. Y'all have that? Of the whole universe. So God, in Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He designed it first. Now, you don't have this, but in Hebrews 11, it talks about, By faith we understand the, world, the worlds were framed. God framed everything by the word of God. Y'all understand that? But not only is God a master architect, but he's also the master builder and maker. In Hebrews chapter 11, in Hebrews chapter 11, you can turn over there in your Bibles. Hebrews 11, verse uh, 8 through 10. Hallelujah. Let me get there. Everybody there? Y'all beat me? Okay. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as what? As what? An inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. That's great. That's what faith looks like. Because God told him. He obeyed when he went out. Verse 9. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in what? A foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. So Isaac and Jacob dwelt with Abraham. That means Abraham was around when Isaac was around. Abraham was around when Jacob was around. And Abraham got to pour into his son and pour into his grandson. Hallelujah. They got to hear, uh, even Jacob got to hear Abraham's stories of faith and how Abraham first met God and how Abraham first got the word of the Lord. And, I, and Jacob got to hear that and understand that. that that's why he was, he was seeking that blessing. That's why he got involved in tricking his brother out of getting that blessing and that birthright. 
because he knew about that blessing from his, from his granddaddy, Abraham. So he dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Look at this. For he waited for the city which has foundations, watch this, whose builder and maker is God. So God, is he built a foundation, but he's also a builder and a maker. So God is the mass architect, but he's a builder and a maker. Y'all got it? Now, Genesis 18, 19, Pastor Kim alluded to this on, on Wednesday night, did a, an awesome job. I just wish we could give her more time to speak on Wednesday, but that was great. Genesis 18, verse 19, God said about Abraham, for I've, com I've known him in order that, I, that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So God chose Abraham because he knew he teaches children the right way. Okay? We, she looked at that Wednesday night. Now, so we're talking about God being the master architect here, being the master architect. Now, architects design homes around particular objects or particular outcomes. I, I saw there's a house, I, I've seen it, there's a, with a tree growing through the kitchen. They built the house, designed the house around a tree. The tree coming right up, they built the house around the tree. I don't know how they keep bugs and all, all that stuff out the house. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I guess it worked for whoever built the house. But they build the houses around particular objects or particular outcomes. In other words, what is your goal? What, what do you want to have? Some people are into fitness. They're going to build them a fitness room. They're going to, they're going to build certain things a certain way. God designed families around serving him. God designed families around serving him. Some of y'all not taking notes. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with you. God designed families around serving him. Because he knows the outcome he wants out of our lives. God, remember uh, Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the thoughts, the plans I have for you to give you an expected end. So God knows the outcome already he has planned for you. Okay? And it's better than you and I plan. So he designed families around serving him. Remember Joshua 24, 15 from last Sunday? Please, I get two more yeses. We spent 20, Joshua 24, verse 14, 15. I know I yelled at you last Sunday, that, but that was a hard work. When they, when they were laying the foundation for that building next to Publix downtown, they made so much noise, people downtown complained. It was so noisy because they had to, that foundation took a lot of work. So I made a lot of noise last Sunday because the foundation takes a lot of work. Thank you, thank you. Somebody clap for me, please. It was rough on me too. I don't like preaching like that. Hallelujah. So we saw in Joshua 24, 15, where Joshua said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Talked about choosing the gods that were on the other side of the flood that your father served or the gods on this side that the Amorites served, those people that are there serve. But as for me and my house, come on, has, has anybody come to that conclusion so far? That's, that's the point of this campaign, that by, by now you should have concluded that as for me and my house, every scripture you've read every day in the, on, the, on the daily reading list. Y'all read these scriptures together as a family? Every scripture is geared around 
so far getting you to come on one accord about serving God. We're going to have one mind, one opinion, one judgment. There's one Lord, one God, one faith, one baptism, one God, through all, in all, for. I mean, everything is about you being one. Serving God. Because if you don't get that foundation laid, Manasseh, why are you not with your family? Why are you not with your family? There's 40 days of family. This is fam- 40 days of family. Family is supposed to sit together. Don't kick in with that grown woman over there. <laughs> That's Manny. Manny. Well, watch out for Manny. <laughs> boy playing, playing high school football now. He's got a little a more bravado about him. Amen. <laughs> Choose for yourselves who you're going to serve. As for me and my house. As for me and my house. Everybody in my family, we will serve the Lord. And he designed our families around that one point, that we serve the Lord. I gave you last week a benefit. I I talked about how serving God is the foundation for multi-generational prosperity. Multi-generational prosperity for, for good success and true happiness. Remember, we looked at the scripture, Job 36, verse 11, Job 36, verse 11, that says this, if they obey and serve him, they, they, if you and your family will obey and serve him, God, then you and your family will spend your days, come on now, in prosperity and your years in pleasures. How many of you want your family to spend your days in prosperity and your years? Now, days and years are different. Days, it means the short term. Years is the long term. So your immediate future is prosperity. Y'all miss it. Your immediate, if, you, if we do this right, our immediate future is prosperity. Not, not praise God. You know, we, we've had, had this, this mistaken thing. I, I've heard it in, 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 in the black community, and I've heard it, you know, in other communities too, that, you know, well, I, w- I want my children to have more than I had. Who, who, who made you say that? Your children should only have more than you have if you leave it. Not because you are broke and struggling and they went to school. Isaac, let me go back. Jacob wanted that blessing so bad because he saw how rich that blessing made his grandfather. Y'all know his grandfather was loaded. I can get to his father. But his grandfather, Genesis 13, verse 2, his grandfather was extremely rich by the blessing. 
Genesis 24 talks about, uh, Eleazar, his servant, talks about how rich his, his grandfather became. Genesis 26 talks about his father Isaac, how, how rich his father Isaac became. So when, I, so when Isaac and Rebekah sent Jacob off, they didn't send him off with money. They sent him off with the blessing. Son, this is all you need. And he didn't go, well, y'all got to give me something. No, you just need the blessing. And when he came back, he came back loaded. Because the blessing produced all that. See, so God wants you to have prosperity in your immediate future right here. If, if you will get what I'm teaching here, if you'll get what we're sharing during this month, you and your family will shift. How quickly? Real quick. As quick as you, as quick as you get your house in order. Jesus, Jesus. Lord, help me. As quick as you get your house in order, you'll shift over into this prosperity. He said you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasures. Pleasures. Pleasures with an S. That word pleasures comes from the Hebrew word naim, which means pleasant, delightful, sweet, lovely. Well, this is good here. This is talking about your generations. Lovely, agreeable, delightful. Lovely, beautiful, physical. What? That says physical beauty. I mean, you don't need to have no ugly grandkids. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You don't need no grandkids. You're like, oh, well, praise the Lord. You don't look, they don't look like nobody. Great, great grandchildren come by and they scare the dog off. You don't want that. No, this is talking about beautiful, physical, I mean, everything, everything about you. Hallelujah. He, people trying to marry certain people, date certain people because of the kind of hair they think they're going to get. You worry about hair, you ain't thinking about face. <laughs> All right, singing. <laughs> Listen to this last part of, of, of pleasant, of pleasures, of pleasures. Singing. Y'all see that? Spend your years in singing. Sweetly sounding. Musical. Let's talk about a family making beautiful music together. Well, you're always happy. You're always enjoying yourself, always it's almost like, like, like a perpetual party in your family. You know what you want? You don't want the family just, hey. This is what God is saying. If you'll serve him as a family, this will be your lot in life. Listen to this. This is on your, your handout. God doesn't want families living in poverty and misery. He doesn't want families living in poverty and misery. He doesn't want families living in poverty and misery. He wants us to enjoy prosperity and pleasures. 
prosperity, and pleasures. Glory to God. Media, put on the screen for me, please, Psalm 144. Starting at verse 11 in the, in the Passion Translation. Psalm 144, verse 11 in the Passion Translation. Hallelujah. Listen, listen to what it says. This is, I want you to see what prosperity and pleasures looks like. What, what a happy look, life looks like. What your family is supposed to look like. He says, deliver me and save me from these dark powers who speak nothing but lies. These are, this is the enemy forces here. Their words are pure deceit and you can't trust anything they say. Deliver us. Then our homes will be what? Happy. happy. How many of y'all want your homes happy? Yes. Our sons will grow up as strong, sturdy men. Yes. Like those men we had out here working yesterday, getting yes. this all, possessing this land out here yesterday. Yeah, your son, your son was out here yesterday. We're trying to help these men be strong, sturdy men. No difference between a rake and a hammer. And our daughters, watch this, with graceful beauty, royally fashioned, not hoochily fashioned, royally fashioned as for a palace. We don't need hoochie mamas. We don't need buttery men. Dressed with all your taco meat hanging out and trying to flash and all that kind of stuff. Strong, sturdy men. Strong, sturdy men. That means men who look like men. I know all this cross-sexual fashion that's out there, all the, all the highest fashion houses, they have all this... All this Unisex fashion. No, 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 men. Mm -mm. Leave that to all the, all the leave that to, to Italy. Leave that to all the, all the Italian makers over there. Leave that. Not, not, not Italians. The Italian makers they, that's produce some. By the way, this, this is Italian Heritage Month, too, I just found out. So we got Italian Heritage Month going on at the same time. We're still in Hispanic American Italian, I mean, uh, Heritage Month, so. So we're going to have uh, Latin food tomorrow. We might going to do some. I'm All right. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. I'm trying to. It was a bad joke, too. So our sons will grow up as strong, sturdy men. And our daughters with graceful beauty, royally fashioned, ask for a palace. Ask for a palace. Dressed to the nines. This is what the family's supposed to look like. I'm talking about God's families. Now, if you ain't serving God, you can do whatever you want to do. But God's families, this is how he wants us to look. Keep going, verse 13. Verse 13. Our barns will be filled to the brim, overflowing with the fruits of our harvest. This is money. This is money. None of us have barns in the backyard. We have bank accounts. We have bank accounts, right? They're supposed to be overflowing. Our fields will be full of sheep and cattle, too many to count. And our livestock will not miscarry their young. Our enemies will not invade our land, and there will be no breach in our walls. Nobody taking anything from you. Verse 15, watch this. Here's the end. What bliss we experience 
when these blessings fall. I pray and I pronounce blessings will fall on you and your families. May the blessings fall on you and your household. May you enjoy all the fruit, all the abundance, all the overflow, all the happiness, all the bliss that God has for you. You will experience it as these blessings fall on your life. Hallelujah. Bliss. Bliss. Now watch this. The people who love and serve our God will be happy indeed. Y'all catch this. Everything God designed for our lives is revolved around us serving him. Okay, I'm going to bring up the Old, the Old Testament survey students. When the children of Israel went into the Canaan land, marching in, and when they set up everything in the Canaan land, there's a city called Shiloh. And in Shiloh, they put something there in Shiloh. The Ark of the Covenant. The tabernacle, which contained the Ark of the Covenant. You come get these $100, Tamara. You, you said the tabernacle. That was, that was a good answer right there. That's, yeah, you, come, you come get these. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. that, that was, you corrected me. I'll take that. I like that. So the tabernacle had this, was set up in Shiloh. Why? We, were, we learned this in our lessons. Because all of life, all of their life revolved around serving God. It was a center of, of their, all their life. Everything they set up was revolved around serving God. If you do this, you'll prosper. If you do this, you'll have pleasure. If you do this, you'll be happy. Can you see it? That if your family is going to prosper, if your family is going to be happy, it must revolve around serving God. That there's nothing more important. Well, my family, we value education. Wonderful. But it cannot revolve around education. My, fa my family, we value recreation. Great. But it cannot revolve around recreation. Your family to be happy, to be prosperous, to have blessings fall on you must revolve around serving God. Hey, it's church, it's church day. We're going to church. <laughs> it's time to read the word of God. It's time to pray. Hey, they call it a fast. We're all fasting. See, that's what, that's what it takes. It must revolve around that. All right? Praise God. Y'all are just falling over your seats getting this today. Here's why. Something that our old folks use, as you hear the old folks say, God won't bless no mess. You ever heard that? God won't bless no mess. It wasn't proper English. But this is just what they said. God won't bless no mess. <laughs> so for God's blessing, this blessing we're talking about in Psalm 144.15, for that blessing to fall, we can't have our houses in a mess or in disarray. 
We must get our families in order, our families in alignment. That's our subject for this week. It's alignment. It's alignment, everything in order. Um, if, if, you, if you were uh, already a multimillionaire and you wanted to invest in a company, you're not going to invest in a company that you know is in chaos. In fact, one of the first things you're going to do is look to, hey, I need to see your books. And if their books aren't even in order, you know good and well you're not going to put your money into it. Okay, some of y'all don't, you know. Okay, if you are thirsty, you've been working out here cleaning these fields all day yesterday. And there's a soda, soda machine sitting there, and it's got ice cold Pepsis and everything in there. Whatever you want in there, it looks so good. But you see a sign on it that says, out of order. Would you put your money in it? No, no why not? Because you know that it's malfunctioning. You're not going to get any return out of it. So what would make us think that God would invest his prosperity, his blessings, all his goodness in households that are out of order? God will pour, but he will not waste. And he knows that a household out of order, a person's life that's out of order, will waste the goodness of God. So that's why he requires us, if we want to walk in his blessings, walk in his fullness, to get our houses in order. Somebody say, get your house in order. Get your house in order. Psalm 127, verse 1. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So the Lord, we've already discussed, he's the architect. He's the builder. He's the maker. But we are the manual laborers. Notice what it says. Unless the Lord builds a, builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. So even if the Lord is building the house with you, you still have to labor. Oh, y'all better catch this here. Family takes work. I got three amens on that one. I, that's good. We're get, we getting better. We're getting better. Family takes work. Marriage takes work. I tell that to every couple when they're getting married. Oh, you can have a good time dating and shacking and all that kind of stuff like that. But, um, but the moment you get married, I'm not encouraging people to shack. I'm telling you, people who they, they, a lot of people shack before they get married. But when, the moment you get married, all of a sudden it, it becomes hard work. Well, it's easy so far. So far, you're in a little honeymoon stage, a little sweetness, and you know, you're still learning and all that kind of stuff. But as you go, you'll find that marriage is going to take work. Family will take work. Raising a child takes work. If I'm a single, you're a single parent, single mother, and you have that child, you know, at first, that little baby, you know, that baby don't give you any problem. Feed the baby, you change the baby. You feed the baby, you change the baby, you bathe the baby. You feed the baby, you change the baby, you bathe the baby. Feed the baby, change the baby, bathe the baby. This is no work. It's just easy because the baby, but the baby starts growing teeth and the baby starts, starts becoming cognizant of its sinful nature. Oh, I'm a sinner. I'm going to do what sinners do. Baby starts snatching stuff, hiding stuff. Start lying to you. I did not do that. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. 
I mean, got stuff all over the face. I did not do that. You did do that. See? All of a sudden, now you got to work at a family. Hallelujah. And the work isn't easy because the devil brings strife and disorder. But listen to me very carefully. But the blessing on your family is worth all the effort. I'm talking to some families right now. You might be going through something. The blessing on your family is worth all the effort. Having the blessing is worth all the humility. Having the blessing is worth all the correction. Having the blessing is worth all the apologies. Having the blessing is worth all the forgiveness. So often people would rather be right and win an argument. Y'all ain't saying anything. They'd rather be right and win an argument than have peace and have a family position for the blessing of the Lord. Who cares if you won the argument and you lost out on peace? Who cares if you, if you won the battle and you lost out on the blessing of the Lord? Who cares if you are right and in God's eyes all of y'all are now wrong? It's not worth it. Tell your neighbor it's not worth it. I'd rather have the blessing. I'd rather have the favor of God. I'd rather be happy. I'd rather have prosperity and pleasures than be right on this one. All right, you won this argument this time. Hallelujah. Because the work we put into, our, into building our families today will affect generations to come. The work we put into building our families today will affect generations to come. That's what we call legacy. Every family will deal with adversity. Every family will deal with adversity. Every family. I don't care if you're holy, sanctified, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Tongue talking, water walking. You don't think families go through it? You think Jesus' family ever went through it? Jesus' family went through it. Jesus' brothers was was clowning on him. Mom clowned on him. (laughs) Every family will deal with adversity. Family challenges expose dysfunction. You know, you can have a, a leak in your roof, or a hole in your roof, rather, but you will know it all the time while it's dry outside. It's not until the storm comes, the rains fall, and you discover you have a leak. Because the, the storm exposed the leak. So when the storm hits your family, it's going to expose if there's any leaks. Now, there don't have to be, but if there are some leaks, the storm's going to expose the leaks, the dysfunctions in your family. Hallelujah. If I can say something to my children and they talk back, that's a leak. 
Y'all don't like that. If I say something and they talk back, they come back at me, there's a leak. Because I mean, I must have raised you wrong. Something I missed in the third grade. I, I, something I, wait, I must have missed something. Yeah, I must have laughed at something in the third grade when I should have slapped fire at your mouth in the third grade. <laughs> should have put that tire on you. I'm, it's something I missed. I know that the kids, don't, they generally don't like this part here, but, but it's right. There's some kind of dysfunctionality when, when, when we don't honor each other. Mother's Day come around, Father's Day come around, and the kids don't say anything, don't make an effort to do something. Or the children's birthdays come around and you don't make an effort to do something. Well, we, we don't have much this year. Something's wrong. That's, that's, that's dysfunction. Because if you got to go and get a piece of paper, make a car to do something, take your food stamps and make a big meal. It don't, I mean, you got, it's something you can do. And that challenge exposes the dysfunction in the family that maybe you did not know was there or kept overlooking it as if it was normal, but it's not normal. It's dysfunction. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you this, this, this word dysfunctional. We use that word a lot, dysfunctional families. How, how, does, how does a dictionary define dysfunctional? It means not functioning properly. It means not functioning properly. That's a simple definition. We can understand that dysfunction, not functioning properly. But it's marked by impaired or abnormal functioning. Impaired or abnormal functioning. Characterized by abnormal or unhealthy interpersonal behavior or interaction. You ever seen people, they have unhealthy interaction? Talk, they call it toxic today. That's just hot. Boy, y'all are, woo. Something's going, it's, whoa. In any minute, it's, whoa. Or people can be, I, I've seen people, they've been overly the other, other side. It's overly uh, affectionate. That's unhealthy. Wait, overly affectionate. Because what happens when you're overly, you can be overly, yes. Oh, you overcompensate. In fact, I'm going to throw this in here. This happens very often when you have a divorce that takes place or you have a single parent situation where the parents are not together, <clears throat> but both parents uh, have access to the child. Where the parent who's with the child at the moment overcompensates for the absence of the other parent. And they'll do whatever, let the child do whatever. They won't correct. They'll let them go in place. They'll buy them anything that, that they can get their hands on. 
Because they're, they're trying to excuse sin because they're trying to overcompensate for the absence of the other parent. Or to make themselves look like the good parent. Y'all come on here now. Don't, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. And what happens is you go over into an unhealthy behavior and unhealthy interaction. And you'll raise children that are, are they've been made too, uh, uh, how, how do I say this? Um, spoiled is one. Disrespectful, or they they become bullable. <laughs> in other words, in other words, they're easily bullied because they're so used to mama cutting up all their grits, all their uh, steak for them, and mama doing everything, and mama always that that they don't know how to function in reality. They don't know how to tie their own shoes because mama tying their shoes for them all the time. They got to go to school and everybody at school tying the shoes. And my children getting bullied. Well, you made them bullable because you've been doing everything for them. Because you're trying to overcompensate. Now, I know y'all looking at me strange, but I'm just telling you what goes on. Or you get the ones... Y'all got time. You get the ones who, they're not overcompensating. They start taking out their anger on the other parent, on the child. You act like your daddy. Hallelujah. So dysfunctional means it's, it's characterized by abnormal or unhealthy interpersonal behavior or interaction. So a healthy family is supposed to be aligned properly according to God's word. Okay? Now, let's look at what God's word says. Go back to Psalm 127, verse 1, where he said, Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. That word build comes from the Hebrew word bana, like Jehovah bana, B-A-N-A-H which means to build, to, re, to rebuild. It means to establish. It means to cause to continue. It means to build a house. In other words, to establish a family. Okay? So unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Now that word build there, bana rather, was first seen, there's a law of first mention we use in the Bible, is first mentioned in Genesis 2.22. Genesis 2.22, we see where the Bible says, Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. That word made is the same word bana. So it says, it could say that God had taken that rib and he built that rib into a woman. So Eve was built for Adam. Yeah, 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 yeah. God built a wife for Adam. Literally prepared her, formed her for Adam. 
He built a wife. That word wife, we could also, in the Hebrews, uh, change it to woman. We could also say, say the word man. Well, the word, it, it, it is man already. So we could say that he made, he took that, he made that rib, he, made, he built the woman for man. So we, we know just off the, off the rib that men aren't built for men. I'm just, I'm just look down at my notes here. It's on your notes. Men, men aren't built for men. And we might add women aren't built for women. Because he built the woman for the man. I know it's 2021 and y'all looking at me strange. Like, Pastor, it's all right. Let this stuff go. No, 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 no. This is, this is the attack against the family. This is, the, this is the satanic attack against the family to destroy the family. And that's right, honey. I heard my wife say that, that you can't have my grandchildren. Because what happens is, now what happens is people, because well, their kids kind of drift off into that, now all of a sudden they start accepting that, well, maybe it's all right and I'm, I'm going to be okay. Well, listen, you're setting your kids and your grandkids up for failure. Because... Prosperity and pleasures revolve around serving God. Sure. Okay. In America, people have a right to do whatever. In America, they have a right. But according to God's law and God's plan, God never released that right to man. He specifically built woman for man. So what I tell you, he didn't build men for men, he didn't build women for women, and he did not build men for women. You got to catch that. See, that just, that just threw you off. That, that just threw you off. He didn't build men for men. He didn't build women for women. So that don't work. Homosexuality doesn't work. Lesbianism doesn't work. And feminine men who have dominant women, that doesn't work. Because he did not build man for woman. He, y'all better say something, he built women for men. I, I better get some men out of these brothers or something. Don't be scared because your wife next to you. You better say something. He built women for men. We're talking about getting the house in order. See, and what, what, oh God, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm going to get, what, what's happening in this modern society is now the women have risen to the top. And because more, more women have the education and more women have the degrees and so many times more, the women are making more money, now the women all of a sudden think they were the pants in the family and what they've done is they've risen to a place where they've gotten the house out of order and looking for God. How come God ain't blessing? Because you're out of order, chick. I know you smart. I know you is good looking. I know you is fine. I know you bring home the bacon. Thank God for you. But God designed the woman for the man. He didn't design men to be some yellow belly sap sucker, lily living, no backbone, bow down to your wife. And then, no, no, that's not the way he designed things, bro. I pray every man finds his backbone. 
Because if you give up your authority as a head, your house is out of order. She's smarter than you. She ain't anointed to be the head. I mean, are we going to stick with the Bible or what? See, because I want God's blessings. I want God's favor. I want him to outpour his blessing on my household. Some men aren't built for men. Women aren't built for women. And we might add, women aren't, men aren't built for women. The women are built for men. See, God's design, now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. God's design in Psalm 127 verse 1, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. So they labor. They labor. So the husband is the head, but they labor together. Which means it takes two to tango. It takes two to make a thing go right, right? So we need, we need both husband and wife working together to make this thing go right. In, in, in the 14th chapter of Proverbs, verse 1, it says, Every wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman plucks it down with her own hands. So the wives... You're responsible for building too. Under the auspices of your husband. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we got to be in order, right? 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. I got I to finish here for sake of time here. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Hallelujah. Watch what Paul says here. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Now, what does Christ mean? The anointed one and his anointing. So the head of every man is Christ or the anointed one and his anointing. Now, watch this. That next line. The head of woman is man. See, y'all thought pastors making this up. Y'all thought pastors being this chauvinist. No, 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 no. I'm getting this out of the Bible. Well, it ain't that, that way no more. I'm, well, you got to throw the Bible out then. This New Testament too, I think. The head of woman is man. Now, now let, me, let me help you with this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In the third chapter of Genesis, when Adam and Eve got into sin, right? And God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam, hey, you know, I'm hiding because we did this. Well, what did you do? He said, well, the woman you gave me. So he blamed all the mess on the woman. But who did God call? Adam. Because he's the head. He didn't call Eve. He gave Adam the instruction. So Adam, he didn't say, Adam and Eve, where are you? He said, Adam, where are you? In other words, when, I'm, when I call Adam, I'm talking to both of y'all. Because Adam's the one got to answer for everybody. So 
then Adam said it's Eve, and Eve said it was a serpent, the snake, he tricked me, and so forth, yeah, which is true. And so one, one of God's uh, responses to Eve was that from now on, your desire shall be towards your husband. In other words, when God first made them, Genesis 1.27, he said God made them male and female. He created them both. Genesis 1.27. So they're on the same plane. But when they, when she fell into that sin, she listened to that, to that serpent, she now came under Adam. All right. Now in New Testament, now we got the new, the new Testament, Jesus Christ, the new Adam, the last Adam. Well, that's, we're supposed to go back to the same level. Well, yeah, we're on the same level in terms of now we are co-heirs of the kingdom and so forth, but the way God put the house in order didn't change. It didn't change. So now it says that the man is ahead of, or it says man is ahead of woman. Got it? The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. So do you see the order? God, Christ, man, woman, and then we could add on children. Y'all got it? So men are the heads. Say that. Men are the heads. Glory to God. Glory to God. We got a church, a lot of women, you get kind of quiet right there. But men are the heads. But remember now, we're working together. And I found in most families, women are the backbone. In other words, that woman is the one that holds it together. That's why in Proverbs 14, one says a wise woman builds her house because she's helped help hold that thing together. See? So you're not inferior. You just have a different position, a different role. But we're all working together to build this family, to build this household. Y'all got this here. Now, I know some of y'all, well, I'm not married, Pastor. Well, you will be before Jesus comes. If you want to be. You don't have to be, but if you want to be. Now, what happens when, when we get the roles reversed, when we get the roles out of line? Chaos. Dysfunction. What happened when Adam listened to Eve? Well, you get all the sin that came on the planet. What happens to their family? Well, Cain, his son, kills Abel, his son. Then Cain's on the run for the next several hundred years. That's a dysfunctional family. What happened when, when, when Abraham, or Abram, I should say that time, listened to Sarah? Remember God had given Sarah, given Abraham, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to raise up a family after you. And, and, and Sarah kind of got, you know, a little impatient. He said, perhaps God will uh, put uh, Genesis 16. Put Genesis 16, verse 2. Genesis 16, verse 2. So Sarah said to Abram, see, now the Lord has, has restrained me from bearing children. Please, and that, that wasn't true. But that's how she felt. Please go in my, to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. So she gets out of order here. That phrase, obtain children, is, is one word in the Hebrew, bana. It's one word in the Hebrew. It's bana, the same word. Perhaps I shall bana with her or by her. Perhaps we, we can build a house by her. Y'all getting this here? 
So what happened? Abram listens to her, and now from that you get Ishmael, who now Ishmael, his descendants, and Isaac and his descendants are fighting to this day. If that ain't dysfunction, I don't know what is. Family is so dysfunctional that even when Ishmael was born, he, he's, he, he's uh, raised up in, in Abram's house, and all of a sudden now Isaac is finally born. What happens? Ishmael is picking on Isaac, bullying his little brother to the point that Sarah says, hey, you better do something about this boy. The boy picking on my boy. Now, this, was, this boy was your idea. Sarah, the boy was your idea. But now all of a sudden, because this boy picking on your new boy, your little love child boy, see, the stepson picking on the, on the, the, the blood son. All of a sudden, now we got a problem. Put him out. And he ended up putting him out. Y'all know the rest of the story. Or you can go read it. Okay? So dysfunction happens. Now let's deal with this here because we're talking about the head of the household here. And order. The head of the household is the one God holds responsible for spiritual leadership. The head of the household now, I got to say that because not every household has a husband in it or a man in it. So if there's no husband or no man in the house, then sister is you. And even if it's just you, you are now responsible for spiritual leadership of your house. The man did you dirty, he gone, okay, and nothing you can do about that. It might, in some cases, be better that he gone. If he have enough sense to take care of and raise his family, <laughs> yeah, don't go tracking him down trying to make him do something. He's he's less than a man anyhow. I mean, that's what the Bible says: a man that won't take care of his own family is worse than an infidel. A man that won't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. It is. Y'all act like I'm talking Greek or something. So whoever you are as the head, you are responsible for spiritual leadership of your household. That means if you're going to ask folk to pray, you got to pray. If you want a spiritual household, you got to be spiritual. Hallelujah. I didn't, I didn't ask all these men to come out here yesterday and do all that work and I didn't show up to work. I'm the leader. So if they're going to come out here and work, guess who they're going to find here before they all get here? Because that's what leaders do. Leaders demonstrate what they expect other people to do. Leaders demonstrate what they expect other people to do. So as a head of your household, you got to demonstrate what you expect. The children got to see you praying. They got to see you praising God. They got to see you doing things the right way. They got to see you treating people right. They got to see you putting, putting the buggy back. They got to see you blessing people. They got to see you using your faith. 
And stop telling them what we can't afford. Y'all got quiet right there. They got to see you using your faith. <laughs> we can't afford that. Shut your mouth. Don't open it till you come out with the right words. Because you're training them up in the way they should go. Y'all got this here. Now, when the head is right, blessings are on the way. When the head is right, blessings are on the way. Put up, uh, please, Proverbs 10, verse 6. Almost finished here. Watch this. Proverbs 10, verse 6. Watch what it says. Blessings are on the what? Head of the righteous. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. That word head is the Hebrew word rosh, which means the chief, the chief part, the top part. Somebody has to be the chief. Y'all got it? We can't all be chiefs. Somebody has to have the, the top role, the head role. Y'all hear me, wives? You, you got you to let somebody be the head. We can't both be the head. We can't have a two-headed monster. You hear that, children? If it's just you and mom in the household, mama's the head. Look at these young people here, Dave. Your opinion is worth zero unless they ask for it. Unless they ask for it. If, unless they ask for it. We can't all run the house. Somebody's got to run the house. I mean, even the IRS knows that. Everybody can't file head of household. If the IRS knows that, surely the people of God ought to know everybody can't run the, run the household. There's only one. But whoever that one is, they are responsible for spiritual leadership. Because blessings are on the head of the righteous. Do you see that? Blessings are on the head of the righteous. So as the head of the household, I got to make sure I'm righteous, I'm walking with God. I got to make sure, watch this, I must live by the Spirit. The head of the household must live by the Spirit and do whatever it takes to stay anointed and stay blessed. I'm going to read that again. I, I need you to catch this. The head of the household must live by the Spirit and do whatever it takes to stay anointed and blessed. That means I need the blessing on me. I'll show you that here in a minute. I need to do what it takes to keep the blessing on me. To keep the anointing on me because I'm the head. Blessings are upon the head of the righteous. That means husbands. That means, that means mamas. If you're a single mama, whatever you are, you got to make sure you're walking with God in such a way and listening to his spirit and following him, obeying his voice, that you always stay anointed and blessed. You always stay in contact with him. Your prayer life can't, fall, can't falter and your, your walk with God cannot fall. And you expect God to move on your life. Like, you, you, God bless my children. Well, yeah, I bless your children, but you, if you get it on you, y'all missed that. Let me show you how it works. If you get the blessing on you, okay, y'all don't get it. Psalm 133. Psalm 133. I need the blessing on me. I need the anointing on me. Glory to God. 
Okay, thank you, Holy Ghost. You remember Job? Yes. Chapter 1? Yes. When God asked Job, he says, Job, where you been? He said, I've been all up and down, going to and fro throughout the earth, looking to mess with somebody. He said, you've been messing with Job, haven't you? He said, well, yeah, I have. He said, but you got this hedge around him. Yes. He said, and you have blessed him and his household and all that he has. Y'all missed it. You have blessed him and his household and all that he has. In that order. The devil knew that. You got a hedge around him, around his household, and all he has. That is a hedge of blessing. That's why I say the blessing. You've got a hedge around him first. I wish y'all would grab hold of this here. It's got to be on you. The reason my children are covered is because of me. Now, I mean, I'm talking about you, your, your children, all of us. It's because of you. It's, be, it's because of you. What, when God puts it on you, it flows down. That's why I told you go to Psalm 133. Y'all get it there? Go to Psalm 133, verse 1. Did y'all read that this week? Psalm 133, verse 1. Glory to God. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Watch verse 2. Verse 2. It is like the precious oil upon the? Yeah. Precious oil upon the? Yeah. Upon the what? Yeah. So the oil must be on the head. That's why, that's why I don't, I, I can't, I can't, I can't slow down my prayer life. I can't slow down my time in the word. I can't disconnect because I'm on vacation. I want to be blessed going in and blessed coming out. I want to be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. <laughs> I, don't, I don't take a break from this because I got to stay blessed all the time. Because there's a peop, there are people under me, people attached to me, that I'm the flow through. I'm the pass through for this blessing. So it is like the precious oil upon the head. That's where it starts. The anointing starts at the top. The anointing, because of the law of gravity, oil doesn't flow up. Oil flows down. Blessings don't flow up. Y'all not catching this. They flow down. That's why even as your pastor, am I your head or not? Am I your head? Am I your head? As your pastor, as your spiritual head, I must stay anointed. I must stay blessed. You want to see me prosperous. You want to see me happy. You want to see me healthy. Because that, what you know is that comes now down off me onto you. I don't need no pastor. Well, how are you going to get this thing to flow down? How is it going to flow down? Well, God can touch me all by myself. Show it to me in scripture. Don't tell me what you think. Don't tell, don't tell me what you think. Tell me what you know from the word. See? Because if that was the case, he would not have come in, in the New Testament. The New Testament. And say, I'll give them apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. See, so this fivefold ministry is, and, and that, that's, all right, I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to preach happy today. So, so I've got to make sure I'm in alignment then in my household. 
That's why young folk, you can't afford to be at odds with your mom and talking back and fussing and because you take yourself out of position, out of alignment, because the oil doesn't flow out, it runs down. Put it back on the screen for me, please. Put it back on the screen. It's on the head, and it runs down. Down. Everybody say down. So that means if it runs down, I need to be under, in alignment. Take your opinion and swallow it. Because if you don't, you take yourself out of alignment for this oil to flow down. Like the pressure's all upon the head, down, running down on the beard. Let me hurry up. Down upon the beard. The beard of Aaron running down. See, see what it is? Down on the edge of his garments. Verse 3, verse 3, verse 3. It's like, like the dew of, of Hermon descending. Descending means going down upon the mountains of Zion. For watch this, for there, where there's unity, where there's alignment, where there's a house in order, there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. Now watch, this is very important, because when people think, well, I can be blessed all by myself. Well, you, yeah, yeah there, there's an element of blessing that God makes available to everybody. But here we have a commanded blessing. It's the same thing we see in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. When God says, uh, I'll command the blessing on your storehouses. Well, aren't they already blessed? Yeah, but he says there's, when you get in the right position, I'll command the blessing. That means the blessing will be under command to provide for you. The blessing will be under command to protect you. The blessing will be under command to bring you up. So when you and I are in alignment, in order with God, with our families in order, God can there command a blessing on us. Thank God for blessings, but I want the commanded blessing on my life. Praise the Lord. All right. So notice this, Psalm 133, verse 3, a properly built and properly maintained or aligned family will experience the commanded blessing. It's abundant life. You'll experience the commanded blessing. Commanded blessing. Maybe I'll preach more on that one day. You'll get, you'll get more excited about that, about the commanded blessing. When, when in the 17th chapter of, of 1 Kings, when a famine or drought was going to hit, God told Elijah, go down, to, go down to the brook Cherith. He said, because I've commanded ravens to sustain you there. The, the ravens were under divine obligation to show up at that brook every day. Bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. And when the brook dried up, he said, go down to Zarephath because I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. So that woman was under divine command to take care of Elijah. When God commands a blessing on you, when God commands the blessing on your house, everything in this earth has to rearrange itself and realign itself to make sure the blessing works on your life. 
if companies have to move and shut down, he'll rearrange everything in this earth to make sure you get what God has promised you in your life. When you get your house in order, you are in line, in position for the commanded blessing of the Lord. Last one. Last one. Proper alignment. Boy, y'all, y'all, boy. Y'all pray for me during this whole time here. I'd much rather preach your faith at the, at the, at the gym. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to make sure we get our families right. So I want, I want families to be right because God is already moving. He is shifting. And I don't want our families to miss it. I don't want our children caught out there when the blessing is flowing in here. Proper alignment requires agreement on a central focus and standard. Proper alignment requires agreement on a central focus and standard. Hallelujah. Our last scripture here, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. In the Passion Translation, please. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. Hopefully you can read that. He says this, I urge you, in fact, you all should have read this this week, right? Yes. I urge you, my brothers and sisters, for the sake of the name of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, to agree to live in unity with one another. You see that? Agree to live in unity with one another and put to rest any division that attempts to tear you apart. Put it to rest. Any division that attempts. So that, this tells me I have power over the, the division that I don't have to let the division happen. And Satan's coming to divide your family, divide your marriage, divide your household. Put it to rest because it's coming to tear you apart. Be restored as one united body, or we can say family, living in perfect harmony. Form a consistent choreography among yourselves, having a common perspective with shared values. That's how you make your family get in order. A consistent choreography among yourselves. You know choreography when people dance together. They coordinate things together, right? Having a common perspective with shared values. Well, how do we get commonality? It's on the word. I talk Wednesday morning before prayer on the word. I, I keep going back to the word. Because you can't escape from the word. And you're, you and, and your family, me and my family, we all do everything we do based around the word of God. Not popular opinion. Not what education institutions tell us. Not what the governments tell us. Because if you, if you really look at what they're doing, if you really discern what they're doing, everything they're doing is out to destroy the family. That's what the whole war on poverty was all about. When Lyndon Johnson launched his war on poverty, it was an outright attempt, I should, I should say a covert attempt, rather, to destroy families. What they did was they made people more poor than they were before. And now all the studies have shown us that families 
well, I shouldn't say families, that people are more poor today than they were when he started that war on poverty in 1960, whatever it was, he started it. Lyndon Johnson, y'all remember him? After John F. Kennedy was assassinated, Lyndon Johnson took over. He started the war on poverty. No. People are more poor today. You know why? Because they, to, to, for his system to work, that's why all the welfare programs begin to blossom. It had to pull families and keep families apart. That was the diabolical scheme of the enemy. But when you and I base what we do on the word of God and come into agreement with the word of God, we position ourselves now for the commanded blessing to flow down. On the head, and all those who are in alignment with the head will get to enjoy. He said, when I command that blessing, he said, even life evermore. That's the commanded blessing. It's abundant life that God wants you and me and all of our families to enjoy. Amen? Amen. Well, give God a praise if you receive the word of God today. Come on, give God a praise. I receive it. I receive it. I'm getting my house in order. I'm getting my house in order. Hallelujah. I'm not going to allow any foolishness, any, any confusion, any division in my house. Because I want my house, my children and my children's children, and my great, 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 great grandchildren for generations to come to experience the commanded blessing of the Lord. Amen? Amen. If you're a wife, let, let, let the husband lead. If you're a husband, lead. Lead. Be the model. Be the example. Lead. Children, Honor your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. It's right. It's the first commandment with promise. That your days may be long in the earth. Parents, teach your children. Train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's our responsibility. Get the family focused on one thing. Serving God. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you today for the word. Thank you for each person who's been a part of the, uh, this time today. I pray that, Father, your blessing would be upon us even as we've declared that, God, when we position ourselves properly, we are in line for the commanded blessing. Father, I pray that every family would conform to the word of God and that, God, we would not resist the spirit of God because I know that, Father, those of us who sit here and say we're filled with the spirit of God, we're Holy Ghost-filled people, then I know that your spirit is nudging us the right direction all the time. I know that your spirit is always telling us to straighten this out and fix that and correct that over here and to forgive and to, and to ask for forgiveness. I know the Holy Ghost is always trying to keep us in the unity of the, of the faith, always trying to keep us with the bond of peace. So, Lord, we yield to the Holy Spirit today in all the ways that you lead us, in all the ways you guide us, so that our families can be in perfect alignment with your word and with you and be in position for the commanded blessing, for the outpouring of your glory and your anointing, your prosperity, and all the pleasures that you have for us. 
Let our families be the ones that are singing and making music together. Let our families be the ones, oh God, that are exemplifying the joy and laughter and the bliss that come from serving you, the only living God. Today we love you. We thank you. We give you the praise and honor and the glory for all these things. We'll continue to praise you all the days of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Put those hands together today, today and give God a praise. Deacons come.